Well, we're back. Episode 13 of Collateral Banter. On today's episode, I need to do some more ranting about the politics in America. It just has to be a discussion. Uh, on this date, it is coming clear about what's happening to the political powers that be. I am convinced that two things are going to happen. Either Donald Trump is going to resign in 2019, or the other option is Republican senators will walk into the White House and tell him they will vote him out of office if he doesn't leave, and Mike Pence will assume the presidency. Because I'm pretty sure that nothing, nothing in the investigations of Robert Mueller and everything else will come out will implicate Mike Pence. And I, and I know there's a lot of rumblings that Mike Pence is involved, and uh, he he is the vice president, and he's likely to assume control. There's just way too much out there regarding Trump. I, I don't even, I can't even make sense of it. There's so many of them. It's, it's overwhelming, and I think that's done on purpose. So yeah, you're looking at, this is just sort of the new year approach to things, and I think that we've reached a point that things are going to end poorly for the Republicans and for those who believe in Trump. People who believe that the lies that he has been saying for for years now are now going to come down and crumble in front of them. And I don't know what normally happens to people when they realize that they've been lied to, what sort of reaction. I think some of them are going to deny it. I think it's one big hoax. Their excuses, well, Hillary Clinton is a thief, which is, even if that were true, let's just assume for a fact that everything they said about Hillary was true. It still doesn't in any way diminish the illegality of acts done by another person, right? It just doesn't make any sense. You can't say, hey, you can't arrest me. I know that there's a criminal down the street. How come you haven't arrested him? He's done a lot worse than me. That's essentially the argument they're making. And it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know why they they go to that argument because it's, it's really indefensible. I believe many Republicans who support the president right now will realize that. And it will send the Republican Party in into a crisis that it's been in but in denial of. Because it's been gaining anything it wants through the government by having Trump as president. They've gained judges. They've gained two Supreme Court picks. So it all seems like it's working out for them. It's not going to end well for them. Because if when Trump is removed from office, I don't know how exciting the future Republican candidates will be. And that is going to be a problem if it's perceived that Republicans are pushing Trump out in favor of Pence. Many Republican voters that supported the Republican Party will go against the Republican Party or not go at all. They won't vote Democrat, maybe. They probably won't, but they might just stay home and not vote at all, giving the Democrats the ability to make enormous gains in 2020 election. So that that's what I'm I'm forecasting that whatever happens to Trump and at this point I think he's in serious political turmoil and crisis and and reports that I'm reading today is that he is he is worried about impeachment and he knows that he's in trouble. He knows that he is not going to get through this unscathed and 
I think he's hoping that he can somehow manipulate public opinion. And guess what? It tell people around the world who aren't following this. I've seen polls that show 43% think Trump did something illegal, but 40% think the Mueller investigation has gone on too long. It's gone uh, too far. It needs to wrap up and end, which shows you that a significant number of people can believe things that they see online or that they're seeing from mostly Fox News or something like that. And it's terrifying how big that is. I mean, again, that's a sample size of a poll, but it's, it's really terrifying what this really says about where democracy is in the country currently and the prospects for its future and rehabilitation. If Trump leaves, I think people will say, look, we avoided the crisis. Things can go back to normal. Everything is fixed. I don't think that that's how it works. You got to stop thinking that if you just remove one thing, that the system will somehow coalesce and come back together. I don't see that happening. However, on the other side of things, you have a lot of Democrats writing articles and supporting the one candidate and it's probably a curse to be so, to be so popular essentially 2 years out from an election but it is Beto O'Rourke Beto O'Rourke just so people know was the democratic candidate for the senate in Texas against a republican his name's Ted Cruz Beto O'Rourke is very popular charismatic uh, used to be part of a punk band. All of these things, he he amassed something like $70 million. He amassed $70 million during his Senate campaign. He seems to be widely popular in Texas, of all places. This is a conservative area. People thought that Tr- Cruz, Ted Cruz, the current Republican senator who won re-election, would easily defeat Beto O'Rourke. But many of the liberal activists really like Beto, and he narrowly lost. It was 52-48. So Beto lost in a tight race in Texas. And believe this or not, I, I now you see the day after this, people have already begun to talk about Beto has this thing that only Barack Obama has. And it just, I don't know what this says about politics. I'd love to learn. But people project on to other people whatever it is they want to believe, right? So for Beto O'Rourke, it's he's this amazing progressive candidate. And he's this liberal bastion. And he's not going to the center. He's running a progressive campaign in Texas. And he's going to win. And this is amazing. blah 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 And I'm stunned when I hear this. And I go and do some research about Beto O'Rourke. And yeah, okay. He's charismatic. He's a good-looking guy. He's somewhat intelligent. I, I don't know how to judge that. But uh, but I, I just don't get this liberal mania. And, and it, it's so much of the same sort of fervor I think people saw in Obama and that Republicans see in Trump. And it, it, so I wanted to just go over the record with this guy. First of all, Beto O'Rourke passed three bills in his six years in Congress. He's been in Congress. He's been a House of Representatives from Texas 
okay, since 2012. He's passed three bills his, his time there. And he is, on economic issues, very much aligned with free trade, NAFTA, Bill Clinton, third way type of politics, which some people like, again, in the country. Some people think that's a good thing, okay? I don't personally. That doesn't mean I necessarily agree with the way Trump has done things. However, this is who Beto is when you look at his voting record. So, But what's important here is that a lot of activists hear Beto O'Rourke talk about the social issues, the caring for migrants, the caring uh, for drug users, uh, criminal justice, anything on non-economic issues. He's aligned, I think, many ways where the mainstream party is. However, I think this is going to be a really interesting battle when the Democrats choose their next candidate is to decide who that candidate will be and will it be somebody who is centrist, a moderate, a bit conservative, traditional on free trade, which would contrast with Trump. However, I and I want to put this out there because I, I don't want to just say that I knew Trump was going to win, although I believe that he had a very good chance and I thought that maybe he would. Okay. I did. I believe I was pretty sure Trump had a, a good chance, a very good chance to win. And I will cite an email I wrote in the summer to a friend of mine where I stated the exact states Trump would win, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, okay? And lo and behold, Trump won all of those states, oh, in Ohio as well. So I, I want to bring those states up specifically because when I think of Beto O'Rourke and when the Republicans look at his record on free trade economic issues— he is going to have a hard time defending his votes. He voted in favor of giving Obama fast-track authority. Yes, fast-track authority, okay? And this would allow the Senate and Congress to vote up or down without amendments to, to the agreement. And again, Beto, there's, there's nothing wrong with these positions if that's where the party wants to go. However, if, if they've learned anything from the way Trump won and things like that, is that Trump won by going against those free trade agreements. So people who really care about economic issues in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, which all voted for Trump, when they get a hold of Beto's record, they're going to see that, oh, he's in favor of these free trade deals that has taken away jobs, that's destroyed manufacturing in the country. They're, they're going to either vote for Trump or vote for somebody else. So it's going to be really hard to field a candidate that is supports free trade in 2020 and win those states comfortably. And if it's if they're going to run again, just attacking Trump as an evil person and as a bad person, then the Democrats aren't going to win and even have a chance at winning in 2020. I, again, I don't know who the nominee for the Republicans will be. Right now, it seems like it's Trump. But again, I, I don't think he's going to last beyond 2019 at a certain point. So I think that when you realize that Beto never joined the Democratic Progressive Caucus, so Beto O'Rourke in, in the House Representative Day Caucus, he wasn't part of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, but he was a member of the New Democratic Caucus, which tends to be the Clintonite, third way, more conservative position on on 
especially economic issues, but uh, on other issues. So you have a moderate centrist on economic issues who didn't sponsor bills for single payer and tuition-free college and all these other measures that are certainly to the left of Beto. However, Beto's speeches and rallies and his charisma and his social media outreach is so impressive, so powerful that people just project them and say, yeah, he's the guy. He can win it for us. Yeah, he's amazing. He can do these things. And it's, it's terrifying. I mean, ask yourself, if a person's been in Congress for six years, three terms, are they just ready to, to, go, for, to go for the presidency? There's no, there's no prerequisite to run for president. However, I think a lot of people are going to say, you're not ready. And what Beto is going to do, I'm pretty sure he is going to run because he's out of a job. Why not run for president when you can excite the crowd and raise tons of money and small donations? Again, he's just got this it factor. And people compare him to Obama, except that he's white. And so they think like, well, that's going to really sell really well throughout the country and that he's this candidate. It's a bit messianic. It's a bit like he's the savior of the party and of the country, which is terrifying to me. I mean, to just have that sort of mentality. Of course, look, maybe this episode's a complete waste and I shouldn't even be talking about this because it's not even the new year. But when I've begun seeing so many articles that talk about Beto O'Rourke, oh, he's from Texas, he's charismatic, he's not from New England, as if that's somehow terrible and disqualifying from whoever the person is, that their region that they grow up from, they can't outreach to the country. No, I think it depends on which part of the country you're trying to win over. That's what's important. And again, his record on trade, Trump's going to just attack that. Forget all the other issues. Trump will, whatever he'll say on those other issues, battle it out. But on trade, he's going to go to Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And again, a Democrats, I don't think they get what, why they don't win in those states. And look, I'll just cite that Hillary Clinton during the primary against Bernie Sanders was supposed to win Michigan and lost it barely to Bernie Sanders, which means that a populist trade message can win in key states for the presidency. And when you look at Federal works best. And again, it's it, fine. If it sells in Texas, that's what people can say. He's a moderate because he's in Texas. But he's in El Paso, a region that is pretty liberal and that he wins overwhelmingly. He doesn't need a lot of conservative support to win the Texas 16 district. So I, I am, I'm, I'm baffled by it, but I, I also get the attraction and the lure of a candidate like Beto, because what, he was in a band, he's like such a, a, it seems like he's young and detached. And I will say one big part of his appeal is that when somebody runs a national campaign and they're new to the political stage, they get a chance to define who they are, what their characteristics are, who they'll be, and the country doesn't yet know who they are. And if the Democrats nominate them, it's easier to sell an image that the person is smart, capable, whatever, okay? Because they're new. They're new to the scene. So somebody like Elizabeth Warren is, new, is not new to the scene. She's, she's a bit old in, the, in a political sense. She's been there a while now. Uh, she just won re-election. So she's about to start, I think, her seventh year in the Senate. 
So again, when you've been that way and you have a national profile like she does, it's tougher to sell an image. People have been attacking her for a longer period of time. So having this new fresh face who can gather rallies, gather money, and people sort of projecting onto what he'll do. And this is, reminds me of Barack Obama in 2008. But the real question for the country and for Democrats and anybody listening is, is it worth electing Beto O'Rourke to the presidency and not holding him accountable to the policies which you believe he believes in? which you hope he believes in, I should say. You hope that he'll support. But when he doesn't, and he continues many of the similar policies which the liberal activist base have detested and com complained about Barack Obama, who's at fault? It's this moment right here. It's why the hell I'm even recording this episode on a Friday afternoon. It's, you keep doing this. You keep, it's keeping the image. It's keeping the spectacle of, of O'Rourke. That's what I'm going to name this episode, The Spectacle. And again, it's it's exactly the book I talk, I told people to read. And it's this book that I want people to read. Democracy for Realists, Why Elections Do Not Produce Responsive Government by Christopher Aitchin and Larry Bartels. Again, that this tells me that it doesn't matter what his policies were and his voting record, but people project that he's Obama and that he's caring and that he has the right social values and those are the things that matter and that yeah he's a more conservative candidate and that the defense will be but he's from texas and he has to be for those reasons and that's why he voted for those things if he was too much to the left he wouldn't have won re-election or something like that it's 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 amazing but it's the same spectacle political spectacle that makes trump a godlike figure to republicans is the same thing going on with with the Democrats and Beto O'Rourke. And the, the second he runs, I'm telling you, money, activism, act, everybody's going to jump on board to that bandwagon. Will that be enough? I don't know. But he can easily pick a fight with Biden and Bernie and maybe Warren, and that's it, and that he can crowd out the field because they just won't have money. They won't have the infrastructure. They think to win the Democratic Party, unless you can mask their social media and the media to get attention on you, which means you got to go out there and really say some crazy and ridiculous things and capture the spectacle that is the mass media today. I don't think, I don't think a, uh, too many candidates can beat him. That's and that's just terrifying because you start thinking, okay, if this person wins, how will they be as president? Who will they, how will they act? What will they support? How are they going to push their party? Where are they going to push their party to? What are the policy decisions? And again, the book says voters don't usually make these type of decisions. However, I'm starting to think, okay, I agree with that right now. However, when the hell do people hold politicians accountable for what they say or don't say? Or how, you know, Beto used to be somewhat critical of the Israel palace of Israel's policies, but then swung the other way. I think when he ran for Senate in Texas, I, I didn't read all the details about that. But I mean it's out there on what you support in policy. And policy is ultimately why I think a lot of Republicans have given up trying to throw Trump under the bus because they're getting many of the policies they want. But the question is, what policies are the Democrats going to demand from a man who is a pretty moderate from the left perspective as a center left candidate on free trade issues?
and Trans-Pacific Partnership, which Bernie didn't, Hillary didn't, but I think secretly we know Hillary probably would have found a way to support it in the end because she believes in that policy. But I'm telling you, it's it's uh, an amazing phenomenon that I just felt like I had to report. Again, this doesn't mean anything. His his campaign can can die off quickly. I and he can raise lots of money and still not win. So that's possible to do. Uh, but money helps and makes a big difference when you can when you don't have a uh, name recognition, but you're a darling because running for, for Senate and losing. Believe it or not, he lost. But I could see Trump's attacks. TPP free trade in those states I talked about. Beto's been arrested twice. Trump could talk about that, which I guess could make him appealing to some segments, the liberal segments of the Democratic Party. Uh, that he's learned from them, that he's given second chances, so he believes in that. That's a big that's a big help, I think, for Beto. But will he be able to attack Trump but still be inspirational enough? I don't know. This episode I had to just get out there because I wanted to produce an additional episode. But um yeah, we'll see we'll see where this all ends up. But oftentimes we're projecting onto politicians what we hope they'll be and we hope they'll support and we so dislike the other candidate in the Senate race. It was Ted Cruz, who's a Republican and who the Democrats really wanted to lose the Senate seat. So again, Beto raised $70 million. That's a lot of money. I don't know where this is all going to end up, but it's about to start in the next couple of weeks. So I thought I'd plug it in here, but I thought I had to at least how I felt about Trump and how I think it will end I think the Republicans are going to tell him to leave. When when the Republicans tell Trump to leave, I don't think Trump will leave. I think he will demand that they vote him out. And so I don't know how that will end, but we'll see. So that wraps up episode 13 for Collateral Banter. Thank you for listening. Take care.